As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This program is a legacy program which was recorded some time ago. Views and subject matter are products of the time in which they were recorded and may not reflect current news or cultural stances. Those mediums, 
those necromancers who have claimed that they can do exactly that. Usually, though, a medium or someone who claims to communicate with the dead does so purely for profit. And in my view, most mediums are complete and total scumballs who are profiting from the grief and sadness of those people who came to them looking to communicate with lost loved ones. And I have to say, I have seen so many mediums. I have investigated many of them. And all of them, yes, all of them, my friends, every single one was a fake and a fraud. They all, every single one of them, resorted to magician's tricks and cold reading to convince their grieving and let's not forget paying customers that they really were able to talk to the dead. And oh, so many times I have felt that sad, sickening and sinking feeling every time I saw one of these fakes employing very common magic tricks, something I am very well educated in to do their so-called readings. But I have to say, I have always been open to the possibility that somewhere there are genuine people that really can reach to the other side and communicate with those who have passed on. Or maybe, just maybe, I want to believe that that is possible. None of us want to believe that this is all there is. I think most of us find it comforting to believe in an afterlife, in something after this world. And it's only natural that by extension we would like to believe that we can communicate with those individuals, those loved ones in our lives that we have lost. And I gotta tell you folks that I don't give most for-profit mediums the time of day because every single time I invest any time or energy into looking into one of those mediums who makes these claims, I have been terribly disappointed. But again, it's important that I say I have always kept an open mind. I have wanted to believe. So I came across tonight's guest who has a very interesting story to tell. Her name is Denise Roussel. And she claims to be in communication with her departed son. And I have to tell you, when I heard some of her story, I was intrigued because this is not some for-profit medium looking to make money from people's grief. This is a woman with a very personal story to tell about her own experience communicating with her dead son. So 
I wanted to bring her story to my listeners. I wanted to hear more about her experience, and I think you will too. So, my friends, without any further ado, let's get to Denise, who is standing by on the mystery phone. First, I, I should mention to you that I have sort of reputation for being more than a little bit skeptical about some things like psychics and mediums, but it's because I have a background in stage. Okay. It's because I have a background in stage magic, and most psychics and mediums uh-huh. that I have looked into, and I've looked into hundreds because it's a personal interest of mine, I have found to be less than credible. Uh-huh. But since your uh-huh. story, your story intrigues me because you're not some medium that is looking to profit. No. To profit from someone's grief, and you know that many of them do that to people. You have a more personal story. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about yes. your... In fact, it's the inverse. Exactly. That's why I wanted to speak to you. It's the inverse. The, um, I, I realized that uh, I interfacing with other people who've lost children and people who've lost close loved ones, I realize it is a very common thing for them to go and see psychics to connect with their loved ones. And uh, I, I was like, oh, you mean everybody doesn't experience what I experience? Oh, okay. So I, I had been recording uh, a, a number of things, and I said, well, I think it's time for me to write a book. I have written 10 books, but one of those books is called Shifting Worlds, my encounters with the afterlife and my purpose in writing the book is to inspire and encourage and help other people who've lost loved ones to realize that our, our loved ones want to support us from the other side. So one of the things that I realized is that Corey and I have been working together for many lifetimes. And when he passed, uh, after the fact, it, it came to me that it was as if he was saying, I'm finished now. I'm going to the other side where I can be of more service. And even though we never, we never said it before, it was in his life and his death. It's, it's like he's been my guru. And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I have an amazing life. And just, just to be clear for my listeners, this is your son who passed on, who you believe that you're still, yes. that you believe you're still in communications with? Absolutely. So my middle son, Corey, died on, suddenly and unexpectedly on October 26, 2014. And let me just say, and I'm, I'm, I'm died, very sorry for your loss before I don't, before I don't express Well, that. thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, my experience is so utterly profound and beautiful that I'm actually utterly grateful and excited about every aspect of my life, Corey's life, and his death, because I see a bigger picture, and it's been amazing. It's been a powerful journey that's been four and a half years, and I just am so excited for my life. So I think it may be appropriate to share a little bit more about what we are doing here, what I'm doing here in this body and story and and why Corey came as a little background 
before we go sure, into absolutely. how we actually communicate. Sure, absolutely. Okay. Yes. So um, I need to back up a bit to um, set the container and the context. Uh, each of us are human beings, obviously, but in addition to being human, we are divine, limitless beings. And so in this context, it's hard for us to see that because we as humans can only see with our human senses using our human logic and our human abilities and resources. And that's how we operate. That's the framework that we operate in. And it's hard for us to see beyond that. It's kind of like, you know how dogs can hear different things and smell different things that we can't because their range of senses is greater. It's the same with humans. We're very limited to what's actually going on. So in this um, analogy, if you will, Imagine if you are, if you're in a movie and this movie, you are the lead actor in your movie. In addition to being the lead actor as a human being, you are also the creator, the producer, and the one who's watching your movie. And so that would be your divine nature. And so um, each of us are source energy in different bodies and different stories evolving different aspects of the collective. And only you can evolve your aspect of source, your unique collection of experiences from this lifetime and stored in your cellular DNA from other lifetimes. And so whatever you bring, it's your gift to our world. And it's what your chance to reunite and heal parts of ourselves through our human experience of feeling very separate. So I realized this with, with Corey and I that um, some, some souls are, are just um, maybe older, have experienced more lifetimes. I can't really, um, all of this is my, my experience. And so it's not, you know, if people can take it at face value, but imagine if you're, somebody's taking a picture of you and a group of people well you can't really see yourself you can't see the picture because you're in the frame and let's say if you're in the forest uh, there's all these big trees around you can't really see that you're in the forest all you know is there's a bunch of trees around you and so you can't see the forest for the trees and it's the same with being human it's really really hard for us to see that perspective from the helicopter if you will of what's really going on and so as we are able to practice being present with love and acceptance for whatever arises, it puts us in position to tap into that divine limitless nature. And like you can see things from an entirely new perspective. Before I go into Corey's story and my story, uh, I want to say that when he passed away, I was granted two gifts. And they were powerful gifts. And they were the gifts of perspective and acceptance. And I knew something greater than his death was happening. Now, mind you, it's very, very traumatic to lose a child. Yeah, that's why I, that's why I told you I, I, I really, my heart goes out to you because I have two young boys and I can't even imagine, you know, I've lost people close to me, but they were, they were of advanced age. They lived their entire lives. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any unfulfilled 
things. You know, they they live their full lives. Most, I mean, my father died pretty young, but most of the people that I've lost, you know, they had their time and they had, you know, but a child or somebody that is that young. How young was he when he passed? He was twenty seven. He was twenty seven. Wow. Yeah, that's so young. I so he lived more in twenty seven years than most people would in seventy two. And so, from this human perspective, it's hard for us to imagine uh, that that could be so. That oh my gosh, because we we have in our human way of being uh, a perspective that of way how it should be, and we sh- people should go on to live a long, full, rich life and die when they're older. So the real death is not actually the death of Corey. The real death was the death of how I thought it should be. And that's what I, I came to, to realize, what the real grief was. So when I could get out of the forest, or out of the trees to see the forest, and out of the pictures to see the whole frame, in the same way when I could see things from a different perspective, I was able to very quickly move in my limitless divine nature capacity. And that's where I'm speaking to you from today. It's, it's not something that we will experience with human logic or with human sight or senses. That's the container I want to set. So um, anyway, um, and mind you, I, uh, for 50 years, was uh, a person of faith, and that switched uh, during the transformation process when Corey was going through some um, major transformation he brought me with him. And so I, like you, um, I was not necessarily as open as I am now when uh, things first started happening. And I realized that because I had beliefs that, first of all, it was wrong to communicate with the dead, then I then I wasn't, the more wrongness creates limitations for us to experience something. And the also, the, the thing was, is people thought, people think you're off your rocker. Yeah, people yeah. think you're insane. Cause, so sure. that was another thing, like, I don't want to tell anybody. And so when I realized, wait a minute, this is my experience. It's very real. It's happening. I can let go of what I thought it should look like and what people around me think of me and what they think it should look like so that those are the limits that's all it is is the limits so that I can fully experience the support from Corey to do what I came here to do which is incidentally literally globally uh, a scope of creating a new earth and by that I mean that we are fast as a collective approaching a new day and we get to choose what that looks like. We also get to choose the transition of what that looks like. So when the story that I'm telling you here, it may just seem like, oh, an interesting story of some kid who was crazy man (laughs) and he died and then, you know, whatever. It's actually of global proportions, the reason he came. And so as such, that I did not have the luxury uh, of time to do what I came here to do. I didn't have 
10, 15, 20 years to come to a place of acceptance about this. We came here to do some important work, and that's why, boom, I was granted those gifts immediately. It was gifts, really, acceptance and perspective to be able to start seeing things from different levels. Before I go on, would you like to comment before? No, I, you know, I, I, a lot of what you said, especially about like the divine spark and all of us, I, I absolutely agree with you on. And like, again, I just want to say that the reason I was so interested in speaking to you is because you're not some fake medium that is going to prey on people's grief. You know, this is a personal Mm -hmm. experience to me. So it just rings more true with me than some medium, you know, saying, is there a Jay or a John? Uh-huh. You know, some of those TV guys especially drive me crazy. I can't stand them. I would, <laughs> I would like to ask you, is what, what prompted you to believe after his passing at first that he was either, I don't know how to say it, still with you or communicating with you? Okay. Okay. Um, five days after he passed, he appeared to me in a dream, and he had a large snake coiled around his arm, and he was holding the snake's head in his hands, and the snake had its fangs bared, and I said, is it poisonous? And he said, no. And the implication was, it's not going to kill you. And he put the snake right in my face, and I screamed, no, Corey, and I woke up crying and I knew exactly what he was telling me. He was telling me, I need you to face your fears, mom, because you have a big job ahead of you. And it's going to require a lot of courage. Up until that point, I had lived a very safe, risk-free life because I was afraid of everything. And he, on the other hand, was like a crazy man. And I never understood until after he passed, why would he do some of the crazy stuff he did until I realized that he wrote about it is because he, what he was doing is very intentionally facing his fears so that he could garner his courage to do what he came here to do. And so with that, I want to tell you, I began facing my fears, allowing and opening that's been the journey that's brought me to where I am today. That's helped me to wake up to who we are. I think it's appropriate to, to back up and tell you a little bit more of what led us to that point. Sure, sure. Please, um, please do. Corey, as a teenager. Go ahead. Uh, I'm just saying, please do. Yeah, I'd, okay. I'd, I'd like to hear more. Yes. So, Corey, as a teenager... Um, started getting involved with drugs and alcohol and quickly got himself in, in, involved in addiction. Um, and it just put our whole family, it shook us to the core. And uh, things got really crazy. And we all just started looking at our lives and started this initial process of what's going on inside of me. He made it through his high school years, a few years in college, and eventually he wound up making his way in his early 20s here to Austin, Texas, which is currently where I'm living. I never lived here before, but he found here community, 
poem, sobriety. And he had this amazing year of healing and just really endearing himself to the community here. And after about a year, he um, had a bicycle accident where he he hit um, head front head on with a passenger window of a car. He was riding a bicycle, and that he survived it, but it put him in a tailspin. You know, he's experiencing um, memory loss and pain, and and it put him back in a tailspin, and he. He got the idea that he had to leave Austin and he decided to go take a Craigslist share ride across the country to San Diego where he lived homeless on the streets and beaches of San Diego. While he was there, he uh, after a couple months, he got kind of tired. So he went to Tijuana for some cheap motel and food where he was approached by coyotes to... Uh, transport people illegally across the border and uh, unbeknownst to him was uh, it's not a ticketable offense. It is a federal felony offense punishable up to three years. And since he didn't want to continue to do that, he was just trying to get money to get home. Um, they set him up to get caught. So he landed there in um, San Diego Correctional Facility in downtown San Diego for four months came before the judge and miraculously so through through this memorandum, 50-page memorandum that uh, I put together from family members and friends describing who Corey was. The judge said, uh, this is the most extensive memorandum I've ever seen, and uh, I see that it's the, the, the nature of the crime does not fit the nature of the defendant. I will see to um, give him time served, four months, and four months house arrest and three years probation in my house in Baton Rouge. Now, mind you, he was not living with me. That was not a cool thing. He had been living in Austin, Texas. And when he got to my house, he was just, oh my gosh, he did not appreciate the fact that how could these people not let him go home where he knew he could find healing and sobriety. And he just got, he just got into this really, really toxic place in himself. And over the course of a year, some, um, he was revoked. And four days, three days, excuse me, before he was revoked, he received quite supernaturally the supernatural ability to forgive, which is something he tried and rehabs in different times of his life that he couldn't. And somehow, all of a sudden, there was like this proverbial huge weight just came off of his shoulders and he just like settled in this unshakable peace. So three days later, they come and arrest him. He actually has on his mugshot this a smile on his face. <laughs> He was like, you really can't hurt me. I, and he thought he won the lotto because he realized that he was going to use his prison sentence, transmute it into a time of personal transformation. So when he got to that jail cell, 
he turned it into an ashram, a temple, a college classroom, a psychotherapist's office, a place of sharing. And he wrote prolifically, read, meditated many, many hours. And he wrote all of these letters to people, to us, and I would receive these letters. He was chronicling his experience and his transformation, and, and in the process, he was like planting seeds. And he would say things like, we're all connected. And at the time, I was like, really? I did not know that. And so he also was trying to get me to read books like Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth, and which I finally did. And the fall of 2012, I came to a point where I just, while he was in prison, I was having my own experience, and I decided to let go of everything I ever believed. Good, bad, right, wrong, tradition, religion, and just to go to the I don't know. And man, I felt like I got flung off in the outer space. And I didn't know anybody doing that except Corey, and he was across the country. But I soon settled into a nice, peaceful place as well. And Corey finished his uh, prison term a year, an extra year of time. And he came out. It was really kind of tough for him. But the last six months of his life were this huge blossoming time. And he... For example, he he called me um, the spring before he died in the fall, and he said, Mom, it is our responsibility, it is our due diligence to document our life's inspiration and truths by which we live. And he uh, created a Facebook group called The Seven Page Project, inspiring people to create a document that will share what's true for me. And that's for ourselves and for our family and for our progeny. And so it turns out that his document took the form of quotes and exposés. And I just knew that I could surprise him by creating this little book, just like from Office Depot and my computer could lay out the quote on one side and put the exposé on the other. So for his birthday in August of 2014, I... I handed him a copy of this book, which is called The Seed Collection. And he's like... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, 
Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Oh my gosh, I wrote a book and I didn't even know it. Yeah, that's interesting. And two months later, he died. And we distributed over 500 copies of that book just at the two memorial services. So um, this was really, this was really amazing. And when he died, which incidentally, most people were wondering, you know, how did he die? He died in a parking garage in downtown Houston. Um, he had a subdural hematoma. There was some sort of incident that happened in front of the library there where someone stole something from him. And we don't really know exactly what happened. But it's my suspicion that he uh, he re-injured his head and that's what started to bleed. And it caused him to just run off and act crazy and then go down to... Uh, if you know anything about synchronicities, because really this book is really a lot of... includes a lot of synchronicities, but... He could have died. He was like a cat with nine lives, and he could have died anywhere. And he even could have died on the street because the car almost hit him when he was running around in his crazed-out state. And uh, but he didn't. He went to the address was one 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 Louisiana Street at the Center Point Energy Building, three levels below in the parking garage. All of that symbolism was extremely powerful. So going back to what I was telling you about his life and my life, certain souls are extremely connected, and we work together for many lifetimes, and such was the case with me and Corey. And so the center point energy building, thats that was just a powerful symbol of what was actually happening. And this 1111 is like new beginnings, like bam, lightning strikes, bam. Three levels under. Three is a divine number. He went under and and died. And it was on 1111 Louisiana Street, where I live. I live in Louisiana. That's the name of the street. But it's the symbolism was basically, yes, it was exactly the exact way, place, and time that he, he exited. And so what happened is, is when he died, it was like, boom, he activated me, and I woke up, boom, this awakening experience. Now it's my turn. Go. It's your turn. Oh, pause for just a second. Sure. (laughs) You know, I was going to get back to asking you about this communication that you feel that you have with him. And is it always dreams? Is it mental? Is it no. is there full on apparitions no. involved in this? Does he appear to you? Um, he does. He appears to me from time to time, but not like a ghost. He he appears to me like when I'm in meditation. For example, um, I was in a um, a meditation one time and. I saw him, his eyes, he came, zoom, right into my face. And he looked at me and just saw his eyes. And he said, oh, several times, he said, you are source in a human body. Don't forget it. You are source in a human body. Don't forget it. And that was really important, going back to what I told you about perspective. 
we have opportunities to see things from our our source limited I mean our source limitless nature but because we're so habituated only live as humans it's very easy to just discount who we really are and what he was trying to do is keep having me operate from my divine nature which is here to tend to and to heal and harmonize the human and to align it with our divine nature. So in order to do that, I have to sit in the seat of the observer, the source energy that I am, and view this whole thing as the observer so that I could be more effective operating from this limitless capacity as one with all that is. And therefore, um, I can tend to my human. Otherwise, I'm limited to my human abilities. And everything, how I heal, how I go about seeing things. So um, this book, Shifting Worlds, My Encounters with the Afterlife, includes waking encounters, dream visitations, synchronicities, and stories of other people, of Corey since he's passed. And uh, if you'd like... um, I could just share sure, some sure. of the examples of those. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Just, just to be clear, are you saying that he's appeared to other people that he knew when he was alive as yes. well? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yes. please tell us and more. And he began doing that very quickly. Yeah, please so, tell um, us more about that. Okay. All right. So before he appeared to me, he died like on a Sunday morning. And his first girl, not first girl, his first real love, uh, her name was Danielle. She uh, heard about it uh, the Monday. We found out about it on Monday. And she she found out about it and went on a Wednesday. And she was like, went to sleep. Maybe it was Tuesday. She went to sleep, took a nap. She was really, really upset. And this is what, three days after Corey died, Danielle, one of Corey's old girlfriends, heard the news and was quite distraught. She fell asleep for an afternoon nap. While sleeping, Corey appeared to her, and the dream seemed very real to her. They were both sitting in the green belt of Austin, Texas, and she asked him, are you okay? And he looked at her with a warm smile. Well, yes, of course, he said. I'm better than I've ever been. And that was really, really, when she shared that story with me, it was, it was such a beautiful surprise. I knew he was at total peace and that all was well. It was just what I needed. That's, uh, he appeared to my daughter uh, in a dream. But in, in, the, in the very beginning, the first few months, when he appeared, a lot of times it was, it was so, so real. Um, two weeks after he died, he appeared in my dream, but it wasn't appeared. He called me and it was, it was exactly the same sensation. If I pick up the phone and I hear his voice, it was not, um, like vague or distant. And so it was right close to my birthday and I'm going to pull up the story, just kind of read it as it came up. Yeah, I was, was going to ask, better. just to be yes. clear, you, 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 
distinctly and clearly heard his voice speaking to you, but you didn't see anything? Is that what you're saying? Okay. Correct. Correct. So one week after the snake's dream, Corey called me in a dream. It sounded so real. It It was as if it actually were a phone call. And he said, I got something for you for your birthday. And I just started crying because, and then he just went away. And so my birthday was like four days away. And it was the day after the second memorial service that we held in honor of Corey. And it was a service that we held in Austin. We had one in Baton Rouge and then we had this other in Austin. Well, after the memorial service, one of Corey's and my friends, his name is Oscar, he came up to me and he had this really pretty colorful teal green and blue scarf wrapped around his neck. And he started telling me that earlier that week he was on his way to a a certain business, but he got sidetracked by going into a store that he'd never been in before. And he noticed some scarves and he didn't need a scarf, but he, this one scarf just really caught his eye and it reminded him of Corey. He said, I got this. And it was not a cheap scarf. He said, uh, I got this scarf because it reminded me of Corey. And he, as he's telling me this, he unwraps the scarf from his neck. And he put it on my neck. And I just started crying. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. So that was my birthday gift from Corey. Two weeks after he passed. Wow, that's, that's definitely a profound experience that you've had. Yes. So um, I can give you an example of um, some of the waking encounters. Sure, yeah. I'd like to hear Uh, about those. So my family went, and and I want to also say that um, he appeared to me many times, especially in the beginning, it was really uh, in dreams. And he... It was. I it was like I part. Some of the dreams I actually like touched his skin, and I danced with him. He kissed me. It was like literally, like if I just touched your skin, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're here. And he tells me, yes, I could be here for another month. And so, I mean, a lot of stuff happened during that month where I could I experienced him, and so realizing that. When we leave this form, this body, we, we become formless because that's our, our true nature is not form. It's not in this 3D physical reality. So um, formlessness, a soul, in order to communicate, has to use some method to, to communicate to us, whether it be words or sometimes it can use signs, physical signs, because they're not in the state. They're not like in a body anymore. Sure. And that's why, so when you're aware of this, the reason I wrote this is that to help people open their awareness that our spirit guides and source energy is constantly trying to support us. The universe is conspiring to support us and to help us to grow and to help us in this difficult journey of being human. So un- until, unless we're aware of this, we can't enjoy it. For example, 
if you bought a red Toyota Camry and after you bought it, you're like, you're looking around and you say, my gosh, look, at there's another red Toyota Camry and there's another one. It wasn't that there are more red Toyota Camry. It's that you're more aware of it. Sure. It was always there. And so the more aware, I wanted to open people to what's possible and anything's possible. And so I was very open and so lots of things happened. So our family went and um, the, he died in the end of October and January, around the first of the year. We went to Antigua and rented a house in um, Guatemala. So this is the story of that. Um, we had an unusual occurrence here in Antigua, Guatemala. Today I met my first cousin, Fernando, and his family for the first time. And we had a very lovely day creating an instantaneous connection and trying to relate a lifetime in a few short hours. As the evening wound down, several of us were sitting at the dining room table. Fernando opened the back door and stepped out, and as he did so, a strong smell of roses permeated the room. Now, I'm going to digress here and tell you that um, a lot of stuff was happening to me, and I was trying to share it with my family, but they they just didn't get it, and they, they would feel I was off my rocker. So when this happened, I'd heard before that roses were it's the vibration of love, and that is a common thing for people to smell roses. Yes, I've heard. Uh, I've heard. Uh, I've. I have heard that, and even had someone in my family swear that after uh, my grandmother died, her house smelled like roses for days afterwards. There was no roses. It was the middle of winter. Yeah. So that's a weird. And, yeah. and it's not just my own family experience that I've heard that I have read that in a hundred different reports of apparitions or ghosts or. So I just wanted to. Well, let me let me make a that. distinction um, to help you to understand what I've learned, and that is, and, and it's funny because uh, Corey, my daughter's name is Bethany, and Corey appeared to her in a dream before he appeared to me uh, first, and he was at the memorial service in this dream, and the one in Baton Rouge, and he she could tell like he could go through things. And she, she said, well, what are you, a ghost? And he said, no. And she talked to him a little bit more. But I realized um, the distinction between a ghost and a spirit or spirit guide is that a ghost is generally um, a soul that's got a lot of stuck energy and they're not willing to ascend. They, they just can't let go. And so that's why a lot of times the ghosts are like, scary because it's a lot of stuck, dark energy and they haven't freed, allowed themselves to free, to go. Sure. Now this is not what I'm experiencing with Corey. He's not he, he just went poof. With the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It started working with me. So anyway, here's the, the roses. As, as he did so, a strong smell of roses permeated the room. Esmeralda, Fernando's wife, said something first, even though I noticed it right away. And she said, I smell roses. And we all said, yeah, we smell it too. And my my daughter, Bethany, said, what does that mean? And she said, well, it generally means there's a presence of God or even a loved one who's passed away. I smelled this before. It was 20 years ago. She said, it could be your son, Corey. So we walked to the back patio area, and it, the smell was, like, really, really strong there. And each of us took turns smelling the imaginary roses. And then Esmeralda, she told me, to go out there by myself because she said she felt Corey wanted to be alone with me. And so once again, uh, I just would spend like 15 minutes out there just feeling the presence of Corey, looking up at the stars. And the next day, Esmeralda took me aside and told me that she had had a dream about what happened with the rose smell that day before. And she said she saw Corey walked in through the back door he came and stood behind each of us around the dining room table, and then he walked back out onto the patio. Yes. Um, I want to share this story. I have to because it, it is so insane. People can channel our love, lost loved ones, and it, this was... <laughs> I'm saying this because this is not your regular medium that's channeling someone. This was a spontaneous event. And so, okay. Um, I had this, uh, a lot of Facebook friends and I, I was accustomed to, and I still am to, um, allowing people to be Facebook friends, even if I don't know them, because I, I realized that I'm, I'm spreading a message to inspire people. So I had this friend that I didn't, I did not know, but, um, that turns out one of those people really liked what Corey and I had to say. And so, um, in the evening time and before I went to bed, uh, this person messaged me like on Facebook messenger and asked me about Corey's death. And I shared with him what I knew. And he said, wrote down, he said, sit quietly at 5 p.m. and you'll heal, hear and feel more. I said, why 5 p.m.? This is like 10 o'clock at night. And he said, he said, you'll see. Just try it. And so I'm like, really, really curious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, uh, I had no idea what I was going to be doing the next day. It was like a Saturday. Well, we finally made plans. I live in Baton Rouge at the time. And we made plans to go to New Orleans to go to this grand opening of this brewery and, and have dinner with my brother. And so we parked the car about two blocks from my friend's apartment. And uh, I said, hey, look, I need to I need to stay here by myself. Because it was like 
4.55. And I'm like, I'll catch up with you guys. And so um, we parked in front of this, like, small park area in a grass in a grassy median. And then there was huge oak trees. And just beyond that was this big statue of an old woman sitting in a chair next to a child. And so I noticed the homeless guy laying on the grass on, on the other side of the statue. I need to tell you that I have uh, a beautiful, beautiful relationship with homeless people. And uh, I have interfaced with hundreds and hundreds of homeless people in a really powerful way. Corey was um, both homeless at times in his life, as well as he, uh, he brought a lot to the table sharing about homelessness. And so I saw these homeless people laying on the grass on the other side of the statue and, and past him was another homeless guy on the park bench. And I said, well, okay, this message told me to sit quietly, but I, I didn't feel like I needed to go sit on the bench where the guy had all his stuff. And so I just stood in front of the statue with my back to the homeless people. And there are lots of comings and goings just outside of the, the area. And all the while I was wondering, okay, what's going to happen? Well, there's this church that has the bells that ring and ring five o'clock, boom, boom. And I'm like, okay, what's going to happen? I wasn't sitting, but I was standing. And I remember thinking, okay, if any one of these homeless people are the ones I need to talk to, they're going to have to walk up to me. And I looked up at the clouds and I felt this like rush of presence. And I just started to cry. And then this Hispanic man walked in my direction, and he walked right in front of me. And I got all excited, and I said, oh, how are you? And he said, uh, he didn't even say anything. He just kept walking. I'm like, oh, okay. And he went over to the guy laying on the grass, and he greeted him, and I thought, oh, well, okay. That's not it. And I just stood there for another five minutes waiting. And then I felt another, like, rush of presence just kind of waved through me and I said okay well I guess that's it so I made my way to the car and I I, I carry around socks and quote cards and stuff to give to homeless people so I went to the apartment I mean to the car and I said well I, I'll just go ahead and uh, go ahead and give these homeless people some socks and whatever so I went to the guy who's laying on the grass and I said, hi, my name's Denise. And he said, I'm George. And he just gave me the biggest smile. And I said, well, do you need a pair of socks or a bottle of water or a large garbage bag? And, and he, uh, I noticed he already had a bottle of water in the side pocket of his backpack. And, and he, was, he said, how about just being a friend? And he just locked eyes with mine. So I sat down on the grass in front of him, and I was very aware. Remember, I told you that at this point, my awareness was very high. So I knew that this was my encounter with Corey. I was a little wiser before than I was before. And he looks at me, and he says, we're the same age. I was like, what? I couldn't believe he said that. You can't see me, but... I do not look my age at all. <laughs> and so why would he say that? And uh, I, I asked him, how old are you? And he said, 52. And he pulled out his driver's license, his ID. 
the funny thing was, he, he was born the same year as me, 1962, and his birthday, get this, was on April Fool's Day. Oh my God. I yes. Know. <laughs> I was just like, yes, so am I, but how did you know that? I said, and I started crying. He just smiled. And then I said, where are you from? And he began to share. He was from Monterey, California. His mother was Costa Rican. His father was Italian and Costa Rican. And he said that being from California, he, like many others, spent a lot of time in his early years smoking a lot of weed on the beaches of California. Well, that's exactly what Corey did. <laughs> he was over there, homeless on the beaches of uh, California. And I said, why did you come to New Orleans? I continued. And he said, well, volunteering. I do a lot of volunteering. Uh, he explained he worked for the Red Cross, helping people who would start drowning and, and other stuff. And when Katrina hit, the Red Cross told him they were sending him to New Orleans for a week. And he really didn't want to go, but they sent him. And he shared how they flew in a, in a helicopter over the whole area the first day. And, you know, he couldn't believe the devastation and all the people on the rooftops waiting to be rescued. And he spent, he said he, they put him up in the Sheraton for a week, but he spent, he said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I, I'm going to go and be homeless and stay, instead of staying in luxury. And he was going to go live on his park bench. And, uh, and he said, I have not left this park bench. I still work among the homeless. And, and mind you, Corey was this huge volunteer. And the way he said he was, he was uh, helping people who started drowning. He's done that. Corey did that in California, saved somebody from drowning. And then uh, for some strange reason, this guy says, I thought about getting my teeth worked on and having nice things, but I'm not into material things. It's just not me. Oh, my gosh. When Corey had that bike accident, he lost a tooth and he never got it fixed. And he lived this kind of non-materialistic life was very simple. I was just bawling by this time. Volunteering, rescuing people from drowning, living intentionally homeless, which is what Corey did in the end. His last uh, summer before he died, he chose to live intentionally homeless in the Greenbelt of Boston, Texas, and it was a joy to him. It was camping. It was not a necessity it was something he wanted to do to to just enjoy life anyway um i just was just put completely uh overwhelmed then he started rummaging through his backpack and he wanted to show me this article written about him which he he'd never found but he's like grabbed this stack of folded papers and a credit card slipped out and it's i'm like Oh my, I realized the way he was doing this, like the way he had all his papers stuffed in there and this loose credit card instead of a wallet, it's exactly what Corey would do. And then he started telling me how he'd been married to this girl and he was, um, she taught him how to live and she would take money from his wallet and go feed the homeless. And I was just like, that's the kind of thing Corey would do. Anyway, um, he said, now you tell me about you and I want to know about you and your big heart. 
And so I took out this uh, free compliments card that Corey had started handing out to people. And I told him, I sent him the compliment that said, the world is grateful you exist. It's a little tear-off thing. Mm-hmm. And I showed him uh, pictures of Corey. And, and I showed him this book, the seed collection. Well, he was like, he didn't really seem to be very interested in reading the obituary reading. It was like, what? And then he just like, he looks at me and he pulls back the edge of his shirt near his collarbone and he showed me he had a scar. I said, well, what happened to you? And he said, I broke my collarbone in a bicycle accident. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you, why did you tell me that? And Corey had a bicycle accident too. How did you know that? And he just smiled. And he continued looking at me straight in the eyes. And then soon my phone rang and it was my husband Ross calling to ask where I was. And I said, well, I'm talking to someone, but I'll catch up with you later. And so anyway, um, I, I said, I have to go now. I can't thank you enough for being here with me. And so he said, do you want me to come with you? We were in downtown New Orleans going to a brewery. He said, sure. So he's walking along with me, and he starts telling me a story. Now, before I tell you this, when I told you that Corey lived intentionally homeless in the Green Belt of Austin, he lived in a hammock. And he would just scoop up his hammock, leave no footprint, and just go about his day and have his gold take a waterfall massage in the in the Barton Springs and it's great. So he, this guy, George, starts telling me how he went to Puerto Vallejo, Costa Rica, and he slept in hammocks high in the banana trees and how the panthers would scratch at the trunk. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. I, I, how do you know these things? It was entirely unbelievable. Anyway, by the time... um. The next day, he called me, and I said, do you know that you were channeling Corey? He said, I know that. And he talked to me for a little while, and then he disappeared. I never heard from him again. His phone number was no longer there, and that's it. He's gone. Boom. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, that's an awful lot of synchronicities and an awful lot of, I don't want to call them coincidences. So you think there was... Well, synchronicities are, are, are basically like 
purposeful coincidences. And so what happens is, is the more that we, this is a call y'all turn. It's the more that it seems like it's coincidental that there's no causal relationship, but the more we align with our, our purpose, then these synchronicities, purposeful coincidences occur. So it's, it's the universe's way of helping support us and show us, yes, you're on the right track. Keep going that way. I live a very, very synchronistic life. It is amazing. <laughs> sure. You know, I can see that we're coming up on, on uh, almost an hour, so I think it would be a good idea if we take a break here for a commercial break, and you hold on, and we'll yes. be right back, folks. Welcome back, my friends. We're here on the Midnight Hour Show, only on the Fringe FM. And we're speaking with my guest tonight, Denise Roussel, who's talking to us about her amazing experiences with her son, Corey, who has passed on. She's the author of many books, and tonight we'll be discussing her relationship with her son, which continues even though he has passed on. Denise, I have a, a database of listeners and their primary interests. And what I did was, when I, when I heard that we would be talking, is I reached out to some of them. And I do have some questions from some of our listeners, if you'd be willing to take some of those questions. Yes. Okay, great. I would love to. Okay, I have... Uh, I have a, one second here, let me just get to this list. I have a Colleen in New Jersey who wonders about your experiences. Could this be wishful thinking because of your grief? And I hope you don't find that question disrespectful. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> well, it certainly be pretty remarkable because... For example, at this moment, um, I really have transmuted my grief into ecstatic joy. And I know that people maybe don't understand what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, people can believe what they wish to believe. But this sort of thing happens to me all day long. And it's not just Corey. It's many things coming to me supernaturally because what I realize is that I am a spirit being, a limitless spirit being, and I am flowing with grace and ease and clarity in a very powerful way. Just to give you an example, in the last four and a half years, I've grieved the loss of a son. I've published 10 books. I've traveled extensively. I've walked hundreds of miles. I've produced lots of art. I have inspired people daily. Um, I write every day. I meaningfully connect with people. And I've done it without being busy. The reason is because I've tapped in to my 
divine limitless nature, which does not have form. And I'm able to flow from my superhuman ability without any hard work. Well, that's Writing quite, a book is no harder than yeah, weeping the floor. That's quite an accomplishment. You know, on this point, I, I can't tell you how much I agree with you. Uh, maybe I have a chip on my shoulder, but when somebody tells me that I can't do something that I'm determined to do, I think to myself, I have the spark of the divine creator in me. I'm made of the same stuff that stars, <laughs> you know, I'm made of the same stuff that God and stars are yes. made of. Nothing can stop me. I'm a limitless, you know, and I, and I think that's amazing that you've been able to tap yeah. into that. I try and I do do pretty well sometimes. Other times I feel a little disconnected and not so limitless and powerful, you know, but I think we can all benefit. Let's, let's talk about grief. Sure. Yeah. I think grief, talking about grief a little bit is a great uh, discussion. Uh, first of all, I mentioned already, as I realized that um, grief is not so, so much. It's not the actual death. The real death is the death of how I thought it should be. And so grief isn't just the death of a person. It could be the death of a relationship. It could be death of your loss of your health. It could be a loss of a job, a way of being. And it's very intense. And it involves so many emotions. Sadness, anxiety, fear, to name a few. Anger. So many different parts of us. And through this journey, I knew intuitively to feel all of my feelings. And essentially what has happened is through the course of time, and I knew I, I responded to grief by going out and meaningfully connecting in love to others. That was my therapy. And writing, writing these books was very cathartic as well. So as I'm going through this, I'm like, I keep, keep opening. And I knew that uh, embodying unconditional love is what the direction I was going in. And so after about a year, um, Spirit told me, slow down. Be still. Start going inward. You've been going outward. I want you to start right now and start learning how to love your darkness, all of your anger, your sadness, your jealousy, your disappointment, your anxiety, your fear. And I've embarked on a journey of, I called them like mini deaths. It was like I would create, my soul would create these situations to, to mirror my fear of abandonment and rejection, which, by the way, death is like the ultimate abandonment. And so what was happening is I was creating, my soul was creating an experience for my humans. Like I told you, we're, we're both the principal actors in our plays and the creator that's creating this experience so we can help evolve our aspect of the collective. So I realized this, and so, uh, you know, somebody would do something that would trigger me. I felt like complete crap, and I would go through my process of sitting, learning how to be present with whatever arises. It ain't easy, because we are not conditioned to be present. So presence is so powerful. It's how we tap in to our divine limitless nature, and the reason is because we are presence itself and it's not part of our habituated way of being human so it requires practices to reprogram ourselves so I started on little things Corey taught me these things 
And I started on little things, focusing my attention on things, mindfulness, meditation practices, breath work, to try to keep bringing myself to this moment. And then it progressed to now what's here in this moment, being aware of all of these parts of myself. And I consider these, uh, my sadness, my fear, my anger, almost like little girls. And they're like, they've been locked away in the basement of my heart, abandoned and rejected. And they're ready to come out and be fed and be loved and accepted exactly as they are. You know, as small children, we start abandoning and rejecting parts of ourselves. We have to, to survive. And so we have this human experience of feeling separate from everything and everyone. That's why we came here. In order to heal something, you must first experience it. So all that you went through in your life, that's what you bring. That's your gift. You are able to work through your journey and, and harmonize these parts of yourself back. You may you can choose that to harmonize these parts of yourself back into the love that we are. And I know that sounds foreign, but I'd love to share a very quick story to help explain what I mean. So this is not part of our human thinking. Beauty and the beast. The beast. The beast is the prince in disguise waiting for the kiss of unconditional love to set him free. And Belle can't know that he's the prince. She must love him as a beast. When she kisses him, he morphs back into the prince. And through this process, what was shown to me is that fear is the beast. It's love in disguise as the beast. And when we offer it unconditional love and acceptance, it morphs back into the love that it is. So my sadness is my joy in disguise as sadness. When I'm able to be present with it and hold it and love it exactly as it is, it's transmuted back into the joy that it is. That's why I have so much ecstatic joy about everything in Corey's life and death because I've been pouring out so much love and presence upon myself. My anxiety is my excitement for life. My anger, my passion, my power. When I'm able to offer these parts of myself love and acceptance, they morph back into the love that they are. And so this is the journey of healing and harmonizing, reuniting these human parts of ourselves back into the love that we are. When we're able to do this, we keep opening, opening, and waking up to who we are, which is all that is as one. It's love itself. That's who we are. Presence itself. Pure consciousness. Having a human experience. Like I told you, Corey told me in that meditation, remember, you are source in a human body. We're here in human bodies because we have work to do. And our work is to evolve our aspect of the collective. And we do it by being present here now with love and acceptance to whatever arises. And my gosh, that's a process. Yeah, I was was just going to say that's a lot easier said than done, no offense. And and listen, Uh, I I have tremendous respect that you've been able to do that, but for some some of us, it's not so easy. It's much easier said than done. It's not. 
And even then, it's all okay. We can't really see from our human point of view. We think that person who's the drug addict or the one in the uh, on the street corner or whatever, the homeless guy or the person in the jail, we think they're just going down the wrong road. Nope. That's what they came to heal. That's their process. Wherever they are in their process, it's part of their journey. And it's an important part of their journey sure. because they must experience it first. And not only that, they get to choose how they're going to evolve their aspect of the collective. So it's all a matter of, of perspective. And realize, when you go to a play and the actors come out on stage at the end of the play, you've got your hero and you've got your villain, and they're in costume. And they're taking a bow and we're, bravo, hero, you are a wonderful hero, bravo, villain, you are so good. Because we know that there's an actor in a costume. And each of us are source, source in skin, God in costume. Sometimes we play the role of the hero, and sometimes we play the role of the villain, but we're still source. You have to have the villain in order for the story to progress. And the villain plays his role, or her role, at a great price, their own suffering. So we're all doing this play. We're in these movies that we created to bring us forward in human consciousness and evolution. And... No one is better than the other. We're all source in costume, in God in costume, source in skin. Sure, that's a good way to look at it. I have uh, a few more questions from listeners that I happen to know are very interested in ghosts and the afterlife. And if you don't mind, I have here one from John that I think is a very important question. John in New York asked, has your son moved on into the light? Is he still an earthbound spirit? And are you still in communication with him? Um, I am still in communication with him, but he is not an earthbound. He has moved on right away. And that's what I was trying to explain to you when, when we talk about ghosts. It's very real. Ghosts are very real. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they're usually uh, entities, energy that uh, is very stuck and they don't move on. Yeah, I've I've heard the energy. Thing. I've heard I've heard from different. I don't want to call them experts, but people that are very uh, probably much more knowledgeable about ghosts than me, who told me that if a, a spirit is communicating with you, 
then they are earthbound. But you're saying that's not the case, that they haven't moved on. That's what people have told no. me and that they can't move on until that's they finish whatever they're they're supposed to be, what, what they're still tied to in this world or this realm. But you believe something different about yourself. Okay, so as spirit, as spirit, they're not confined by time and space. Oh, and so the very reason, yeah, they're not, we are confined to time and space. And we're stuck in this viewpoint of, oh gosh, there's something wrong because they're communicating with humans. They're here to support us. How else are they going to support us if they don't communicate <laughs> with us? They don't want to just like, boom, please, you're there. You're on your own. No, it's source energy. It's love. The universe is conspiring to help us succeed and grow and heal. So that's just a viewpoint that's valid, but it's coming from our limited human way of seeing things. That's it's all perspective. Yeah. yeah, that's a very good way of looking at it. And I have, I have another question. Uh, from Michelle, who's in Delaware, who happens to be a member of a ghost hunting organization, if you know anything about those, who asks, uh -huh. uh, has there been any scientific inquiry into your claims, or have you contacted any ghost hunting organizations who may be able to bring scientific measuring equipment and other science to bear on your experiences? You know, I'm aware that they, no, that they I'm somehow... No, I'm not interested in that, because... Okay. The, the reason why is because I made the distinction that he's not a ghost. Oh, sure. <laughs> he, he, I understand. And so, but I think yeah, her so point. I think her point is that some question. of these. I think her point is that some of these organizations have, you know, they have like magnetometers that can measure magnetic anomalies that sometimes are uh, are, are present. When some spirit is nearby, they have these weird communication kind of devices that they ask the spirits yes, to interact with. And, and so I think she's asking, have you gone that route? Because it would be interesting to see what would happen to see if, if there's, you know, some scientifically measurable effects when you feel that that communication is taking place or when he's present with you. You know, that's what I think the um, gist of her question is. I can appreciate that as well. However, uh, I don't need to prove that he's communicating with me to anyone. It's not for me to say, all of y'all have to know that this is all support that I'm getting from Corey. And so while I don't negate, I know that those equipments and all that are, are valuable. And a lot of times, though, they... They do measure like haunted houses or places like that. They measure the, the energy uh, that's in the space. I don't have the same um, experience. Like it's not like my house is haunted or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It's 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 a personal thing. I actually I have a ringing in my ears. It's because of the frequency level of source that's so close to me, supporting me. It's so high. And so I, it's not like he's, he's stuck and he's not stuck here. And so there's no reason for me to, I don't have any, to prove anything to anyone. 
<laughs> you can believe no, and you I, I, I didn't. I did not mean to suggest that you did. And and have and and knowing this listener, I think she's just curious because she would like to know if you if you tried these kind of uh, scientific measurings, you know, and the equipment that these kind of groups have. She didn't mean it in a disrespectful I way. I will here. tell you. No, no, not at all. I, I appreciate her asking her question. Um, I will tell you that my own energy is very powerful and I can sometimes I blow out light bulbs and mess up with technology uh, all kind of crazy things happen things go off spontaneously one time uh, in, the, in the very uh, first year um, I had on my screen lock screen of my phone I had a picture of Corey and I had the phone on the counter I did not touch it I passed the counter, and all of a sudden, the lock screen came up. <laughs> and I told my husband, did you touch my phone? He said, no. I said, well, hello, Corey. You just want to say hi. Well, that's what kind of, he does. Yeah, that's strange. And I, and I guess I, I have one more question from a listener uh, that uh, you, you kind of touched on this, but I'm going to ask you anyway because, you know, I, I – I like that this person took the time to send in the question, and I, and I think it's an important question. And again, I hope you won't find this question disrespectful in any way. Uh, but, no, I, I'm not disrespectful. I don't feel disrespectful. Oh sure. So uh, so we have <laughs> Kelly in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, who asks, uh, well, what she says is, demonic forces or demons sometimes masquerade as departed loved ones. How can you be sure? that this is not the case in your experiences. So, um, I, I will come back with if she, if the terminology of demonic is kind of, you know, with the Christian roots. And so you, we can look at this, you'll know the fruits, you'll know them by the fruits they bear. So, um, Corey has led me to this place of unconditional love. And so, yeah, I don't see a demon. I don't see a, I don't see a dark force demon or entity like that leading you that way. You know, so that and so doesn't make this any is sense. once again, and this is no disrespect to to her or her question, but it is from our human way of seeing things that she's asking that because our human is very dualistic and everything is right and wrong, good and bad, and we have these evil forces and these um, good forces and and. That's how we experience things as humans. But when you get up and you get into the helicopter view, if you remember the story I just told you about Beauty and the Beast, what we can see as humans, having this period, this experience of, of separation and, and suffering, we, what we can't see is that it's all luck. No matter how dark it is, it's love in disguise waiting to be recognized, loved, and accepted. And so it's it's all limited perspective that causes us to demonize and push away the very parts of ourselves that want our love and attention and want to be harmonized and healed. Sure. And, you know, I think you mentioned the religious aspect before. I, I mean, I grew up Catholic, and uh, and to my knowledge, to most Christians, necromancy is forbidden. And and I'd like, yes. just, I would just like your thoughts on on that. 
what, like, why would it be forgiven or why would it be forbidden? Do you believe that it's a sin or do you, based on your experience, do you, do you have a different opinion? Because a lot of Christian people, and I believe even Muslims and Jews believe that necromancy or speaking to the dead, communicating with the dead is a sin or is forbidden by their it, faith. Yes. And did that hold you back at all? Yes. If you had that kind of background and, and in, what do you in feel the beginning. About in the beginning, uh, I, I was aware of this and I, it, it kind of like, I wasn't fully open, even though a lot was coming to me. I wasn't entirely open until I realized, oh, this is what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm limiting myself to what's possible because I'm trying to work within human limitations and viewpoints. So I respect religion. I respect viewpoints that people think it's wrong to talk to departed loved ones. But I also realize that their viewpoint, completely valid, completely, there's nothing wrong with their viewpoint. It's just that it's coming from their human way of seeing things, which is extremely limited. And so this human part of us feels so separate and it creates this this dynamic where everything is either good or bad or right or wrong and and we wind up going round and round and round and round fighting evil and not realizing that what we fight we strengthen and what we resist persists so religion has a very powerful way to help it's like a vehicle to bring us along our journey and I am very grateful for that vehicle, but I came to a point in my journey, and not everybody may ever get to this point, but I came to a point, it's almost like uh, having training wheels on a bike or some sort of like a mountain where you're going up and you don't really know which way to go, so there's like rails on both sides to kind of guide your path until at some point, they, it became limiting to me. And it was like if you had this kid that had put on a pair of pants and the next summer they put it on and it's like five inches too short and they can't zip it up. So that vehicle that brought me so far in such a beautiful way all of a sudden began to limit me and I decided to let go of the limits. And that flung me into our limitless nature. And that perspective... Uh, is completely different. It's a non-dualistic perspective, and it, it recognizes that what we see as wrong and bad and sin and all that verbiage is very, very valid way of, of being, but it's so limited, and it keeps us in suffering. And what, we're, what we have the opportunity to do is to wake up to our divine, limitless nature and to hold these parts of us that are so afraid and so angry and so sad and just to, to love it like you would a child that's been bullied on the playground. Sure. Just hold that fear. It's a completely different outlook and it's a complete flip on everything we're ever taught as humans. But this is how we open and wake up to who we are. This is how we embody the unconditional love that we are. Well, it's an excellent way to look at it. And I, I just wanted to, to say, although I was raised Catholic, I'm not 
any longer Catholic, and uh, I don't believe that it's a sin to to explore these things. And I'll just leave it at that because you know it's all good. <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of that is power and control from a religious perspective. Yes. Like, you know, you have to yes, get, you have to get your right. answers. You have to get your answers from us, not from departed yes. loved ones or from or from any other source. So it could be that. Yes. 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 I appreciate that perspective. Now, I, I, I guess one of the other questions that I wanted to ask you is that you're you're entirely sure that this is your departed son. Kind of just to touch on that again. Has there been things that he said or did that only he would know or, and you would know that made you so sure that this, this was definitely him? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't really know how. Yeah. I'm just looking here, and um, I just I can't off the top of my head think of an actual. Well, here's one. Um, I was. Uh, I had this dream, and. I will approach this carport. Whenever you dream about like cars or carport, it's like you're getting ready to go on a trip. So it's talking about your your journey. And Corey was there waiting for me. And he said, well, there you are. Come here. We have a lot to talk about. And then he started giving me very detailed information about eight different people in my life. And he also told me about a surprise that he said, I think I'll, you'll like this. And I won't tell you what that is because it's personal. But he went on briefing me about what's going on in certain people's lives and how I was to interact with them. And he answered questions I had about certain situations. And this is the way it goes. He knows these things. And they come to pass because he's guiding me. Wow. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned several times this belief that you have that maybe your son was here to teach you about the fact that we're all limitless, you know, uh, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Beings. Absolutely. In, imbued with the source and that, uh, you know, we're limitless in our potential. And I find it amazing, like you were saying, some of the things that you're able to accomplish with ease. And uh, maybe this is a, uh, just a selfish question, but, I, and, and, but maybe we could all benefit from this. I'd like you to, to talk about how I or any one of my listeners can get more in touch with that source and that divine energy and that limitless abilities that you believe we all have and put it to good use. Yes. How, how do we do that? Because I'd like to know. The, by being, by being present here now with love and acceptance to whatever arises. So let me clarify this. Being present is not part of our human programming. 
And so in order to reprogram ourselves, we can use practices to keep bringing us back to this moment. So for me, uh, at first I started a meditation practice. I encourage people to start with five minutes, just sit still for five minutes. We're not conditioned to sit still, learning how to be still, learning how to bring ourselves to this moment. Then I would do things like I would think of my breath. Our breath is always with us. It's our spacious, infinite essence. And I would just bring my attention to my breath throughout the day. Whenever I could, I would go, there's my breath, my breath. Bringing me into this moment. Uh, uh, if I take the broom, sweep the floor, I hold the broom. This is Corey taught me all this. I hold the broom. I feel the broom in my hand. I feel it touching the floor. I'm putting all of my focus and attention on this broom. And I'm, I'm, I avoid multitasking, which is what I was really good at. But I'm putting all my, if I'm chopping food, like really, really focusing on this food. If I'm talking to someone, look in their eyes, really, really listen intently. If I'm eating, I'm smelling the food, I'm looking around. If I'm sitting in the car, I'm holding my hands on the steering wheel and I feel my chair and my bottom and my seat and, and etc. And I, and then I began to feel my feelings. Really, what's here now? Oh, I feel a little bit of sadness. It's here with my joy. Both can be present at the same time. Oh, what's that? And then I start becoming more aware of what's here now? What really is here now? What am I thinking? What are my thoughts? What are my feelings? And that's the next stage. Once I've practiced at a proficiency level that I can be present when there's no trauma or drama or feelings that I don't want, then I start learning how to make friends with myself. First, I have to be aware. What's here? Sadness? Is it anger? Is it anxiety? Own it and use practices like writing, articulating out loud to be able to say, I feel sad right now. And I personally, I treat myself, the work that I do, as if they're literally like little girls of mine. So if sadness comes knocking at the door, I say, come on in, sadness, and have a cup of tea and tell me all about it. It's much like if a child got bullied on the playground and you put him up on your lap and, and you say, come over here. Tell me all about it. I'm so sorry. You suffered so much. Let me put a Band-Aid on your boo-boo. I want you to know, though you feel unwanted, I want you. Well, I love you so much. That's very interesting because I think the normal human impulse when we have negative emotions like sadness or anger or grief is to just compartmentalize. We push it away. Push it away. That's what I do. I got to. I, I, I that's what we're programmed to do. Yeah, I'm really big on saying that I, I put things in boxes and I got a lot of boxes that I'm, I know I'm going to have to deal with them someday. But for now, I, I just put them you in the box. You don't have to, yeah, but you may choose to. Well, some things some things boil experience. out of the box and you don't have a choice at some point. You have to deal with it. You know, that box explodes. Well, like, Stephen, do you know why that's so? You know why that's so? Why Remember that? I told you that you're the prime actor in your movie and you're the producer and the creator? So realize that your soul is actually creating your experience 100% for the express purpose of trying to get you in touch with what wants your love and attention. 
because these parts of ourselves that we've pushed away, we've, we've been habituated to demonize, to say they're wrong and bad, those are actually parts of ourselves wanting to be reunited, harmonized, back into the whole of the love that we are. So we must be aware of them. We must be will develop practices of being present with them. You can only do this. If you try doing this by some sort of a plan or strategy, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're going to be working really hard and it's going to be, if life is hard and you're having to push to do something and use your willpower, that's using your human abilities and you're going to be very limited. So if you want to, you want to love yourself, and embody the unconditional love that you are, it's not hard. It just requires being present here now over and over and over. Yeah, you t- so you didn't of- develop those practices of not being present overnight. Yeah, a lot of what you did that your entire life. A lot of what you're saying is, is a lot like the sort of like the Buddhist philosophy of mindfulness and awareness. And yes. I, I try to practice that. Yes. I do do definitely try to practice that. And I notice that when I, when I am lazy or lax on doing that, things don't go as well for me, you know, it just in personal interactions, you know, with my children, I'm, if I, if I take the time mm-hmm. to do these things, I'm a much better father and much more patient, much more loving and understanding instead of flying off the handle and getting pissed off and screaming at them, which I'm human. I, I'm going to do that mm-hmm. from time to time, you know? Yeah. Yes, and that's only when you do do that, what's there now is your anger. And anger wants your love and attention. So being able to say, well, looky here, anger wants my love. And so just gently and kindly as we're ready, learning how to be with parts of ourselves, little by little, not forcing ourselves to do a single thing. You know, we have so much uh, impetus to try to make ourselves be better. Be better parents, be better people, and we whip ourselves into shape. That's not your highest self. That's your spiritual ego. So your highest self is very gentle and kind. And so little by little, learning how to be kind with ourselves. Mm, I'm going to just practice. What's yeah. here now? What sure. wants my love and attention? And again, from a Buddhist if perspective, you, that, would be, do, that would be loving kindness is, is kind of the the thing that you're discussing there and I try to do that as well because that's just a better way to be when somebody's angry at you if you approach them with loving kindness and understanding it's going to go better than if you just mirror their anger and resentment and you know or whatever although if if somebody this is this is something that's really powerful I've learned to use every single thing in my experience to find out what wants my love and attention so if you say something hurtful to me, you trigger me, instead of me saying, you stop that, Stephen, I don't like it, and I don't want to feel those feelings, and pushing away those feelings, off, projecting them back off to you, instead of playing tug-of-war with you, I can go and say, oh, what wants my love and attention right now? It's my sadness. It's my fear. And I can go inward and offer those parts of myself presence instead of expecting it from you. Loving without expectation, loving without condition, it must start with me. And it's powerful when you can use everything in your experience to point back to what was. It's not, it's not a blame thing. Nothing, there's no one to blame. 
That's not, it's not anything wrong. It's only parts of ourselves that want to be loved. That's it. We didn't do anything wrong. We created that for the express purpose to be in touch with the parts of ourselves that want to be reunited and harmonized back into the love that we are. Wow, that's a powerful, that's a powerful way to be. You know, I guess, uh, I guess I would ask you also, you, you know, you're having these tremendously amazing experiences with your son and, and you found a purpose in all of this, but what do you think is next for you? What is the next part of your journey? I, know why, I know why I came into this body. The reason I came into this body in the story is the same reason Corey came, because we're working together, and that is to create a new earth. We get to choose what our earth is going to look like. And we do that by being waking up to who we are. And it's a, at some point, the more, it's a butterfly effect, the more that we keep waking up and embodying the unconditional love that we are by being present of love and acceptance to what's here now, the, it's a ripple effect. And we realize, oh my gosh, we're one. And we reach at some point a critical mass, a tipping point. And we get to choose both the transition and what our earth is looking like. What I came here for, what Corey came here for, is a, for a global impact. I'm talking about world peace. And we've not experienced world peace before. It's entirely possible. Now, I don't, the reason I know it's entirely possible is because we are peace itself. We are love itself. Well, in our, in our, in our, I guess, best state. But, you know, listen, I don't want to be cynical, but that's quite a tall order, world peace. You know, I think, I always think that like we are just, sometimes I, I get discouraged and I get cynical and I think we are just stupid primitive monkeys and we cannot get our brains around being peaceful or cooperating with our it's fellow So long as you or, try to, to use, you can't figure this out with your human logic. You will not be able to see this and we will not be able to do it if we're still sleeping. You cannot do it. You've got to be able to wake up and see who we are. We're in a, in an unconscious state as a human collective as the most, for the most part. What I'm doing is helping people wake up to be conscious, to see things from their divine limitless nature. I can appreciate what you think. That's a tall order. That's not going to happen. It's completely insane and impossible from our human way of thinking. Completely. Sure. But I am seeing things from a completely different perspective. This is who I am. I have been waking up and waking up. And it's like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, it's possible. Because we are love itself. We are consciousness itself. This is going to happen, and that's why I came here. Well, I definitely admire your optimism. You're much more optimistic than I. <laughs> so maybe I just have a lot more evolution to do to get there. Because I, I don't know. I see. Oh, I see you're some perfect. Of the, I see, you're perfect. I see the things going on in the world, and I just shake my head, and I I don't know what. Yeah, you know, I'm fearful for the world that my children will live in lately. Because of mm. all the violence, I don't blame you. mass shootings, 
a war. Mm-hmm. Having, you know, we might be going to war with Iran. Like we didn't learn anything from the first two Middle Eastern wars that we were in, you know, and here we go. They're running us into another war for no reason. And, uh, you know, it's easy. To I want to say to you, Stephen. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say it's easy to feel powerless and cynical in a world of full of violence and hatred and profiteering yes. and, and, uh, and uh, Absolutely. evil people, you know. Yes. Well, I want to say to you, uh, thank you for what you bring to our world, this offering of this radio show of helping people just to get more uh, wisdom and more inspiration and to explore things beyond our human understanding. It's amazing. You bring such a beautiful gift through your experience being here, Stephen Cambion. Thank you. Sure, and I want to take. I want to thank you for being a part of this, and I also want to uh, ask you. I'm sure that many of my listeners are going to want to know more about you, or how they can get your books, or how they can contact you. Do you want to? Yes. Do you want to give us some of that information? Yes. Please do. Yes. Um, my website is deniserussell.us. I'm going to spell D E N I S E. Roussel is R-O-U-S-S-E-L. DeniseRoussel.us. All of 10 books are there, as well as a number of other things. Uh, before long, I'm going to be launching a different website called CreatingAnewEarth.us. And they can go there as well. All of them will feed into that. And um, they can avail themselves to some free mantra cards from time to time. I do uh, free ebook giveaways and of this most recent book, Creating a New Earth, Waking Up to Who We Are. Yes. For your audience, I recommend the book Shifting Worlds, My Encounters with the Afterlife. All of these books are available on Amazon. If they go to Amazon and, and type in my name, Denise Roussel, Corey Roussel, then the books will show up. It's R-O-U-S-S-E-L, two S's and one L. Okay, yeah. and I would encourage my listeners to support your efforts because, you know, uh, you're trying to do good things and change the world, and especially, uh, you know, with yeah. the experience that you had. There's a lot of people, you know, I, I, I should mention that you, you did touch on something that I think is very important, that when somebody dies... The grief is not just for them being gone. Like I had a friend whose wife uh, tragically committed suicide very suddenly. And Uh the biggest Uh biggest issue that he had was not just that she was gone. It's that he lost the entire future that he thought he was going to have. And that's a very difficult thing to deal with. And I'm sure that you envisioned a much different future for you and your son going forward. You know, and you could have turned that. It could have Guess just been. A, could have just it been a tragedy. Be. Yeah. It can be, but it's amazing. I love my life. Corey's more present with me now than he's ever been, even when he was in his body. It's beautiful. Yeah, and I guess my point was that this could have just been a tragedy for you. You could have been depressed and and sad your entire life about that loss, and instead you're turning it into something positive, which is no easy task, folks. Mm. This is not an easy thing that this woman has done, and I commend her for all of her efforts and, and for using this experience in a positive way. 
Thank you for having me. Well, my friends, that was an interesting conversation. And I'm glad that I took the time with an open heart and an open mind to listen to Denise's story. I come away with a somewhat softer take on people who claim that they have these experiences. You know, somehow though, I think that grief does funny things to us. Have you ever lost someone that was incredibly important to you, that was really an anchor in your life? Well, I think to some extent we all have, and we all know that feeling of loss, that tremendous pain and suffering that that person leaving can bring into our lives. And I suppose I think that to her credit, instead of just wallowing in that suffering, in that loss, Denise tried to find something positive in the loss of her son. Now, I have to say that I found some parts of her story to be really compelling. And they, some of the things that she talks about certainly tugged on my heartstrings. Because I guess we've all lost someone that we wish that we could continue that relationship with, even though they've passed on. But by and large, most of us, we don't get to do that. Now, Denise believes and claims that she has been able to continue that relationship with her beloved son, who she lost tragically so young at the age of 27. Honestly, folks, I'm not sure what to think about her story. Do I believe she's telling the truth? Well, I certainly believe that she believes that she is telling the truth. But some parts of things she talked about, it would seem to me, maybe wishful thinking and coincidence. This is not to discount her experience. I'm just saying that I'm not quite sure if I believe that she truly is communicating with her dearly departed son, who I'm sure she misses incredibly. But I will say this, she has turned an incredible tragedy into something positive. And that can be a difficult, if not impossible, thing to do in the face of such, such a tragic loss. And to her credit, many of the things that she talks about, about being, you know, a 
child of God and being part of that source and connecting with that source, I think can be tremendously beneficial to most of us. That she's out there reminding us that we are unstoppable, immortal, incredible beings of light and that we all contain the spark or a piece of that source, that creator, that God energy is within every single one of us. And regardless of her experience, I truly believe that at least about that, she is right. And I can't offer evidence or proof that she's right. I just feel it in my heart and my soul that at least about that, she is incredibly correct. We all have within us a piece of the divine cosmos. We all have limitless potential. If only we choose to both harness it and access it. And I believe we can choose that. And she's out there encouraging people to do that. So I think her experience has been beneficial to more than just her. Because she's writing books. She's going on talk shows. She's talking about her experience. And she is reminding people of this truth that we are limitless in our potential, that we can access that God energy, that we can connect with the source on higher levels. And certainly that's a beautiful thing. And I'm glad to have met her. And I'm glad that she's out there doing that. As for me, people have been asking me a lot of questions lately uh, about the show and various things. So I think in the few short minutes we have left, I will try to address those things and answer uh, some of the many questions that I've been getting. First and foremost, uh, I want to thank our Fringe FM new listeners, and I want to thank all of my listeners who followed me here to the Fringe FM. Our show, The Midnight Hour Show, is on every Saturday on the Fringe FM at midnight, Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Pacific. So I want to remind you of that and encourage you to tune in next week for another brand new episode. Also, people have been asking me a lot lately or saying, I missed the show. How can I hear last week's show? Well, if you download the Fringe FM app, there is a replay feature and you can access a show of mine if you missed it. Additionally, uh, it has been my plan to upload to YouTube the new episodes that air here on the Fringe FM after they've aired on the Fringe FM. In other words, we want to make sure all of our listeners come to the Fringe FM first for new episodes. And then after that, 
the plan really is that they will be uploaded to YouTube and the archives will be available. But to be quite honest, I'm a little bit overloaded with many different projects at once right now and have failed to do so, so far. I'm going to try to set aside some time every week to get one or two episodes up. I believe this is episode six of our new second season here, uh, hosted on the Fringe FM. So hopefully, within the next few short weeks, we should be caught up. I'm going to make it a goal to make sure that gets done, and I apologize to everybody who's been asking me to hear replay episodes should they not be able to tune in as they're broadcasted here on the Fringe FM. So hopefully, within the next couple of weeks, we'll be all caught up, and the episode two episodes so far will be available online. I will be posting links to them on my Twitter as I get them uploaded. Next, I just wanted to mention that I'm trying very hard to uh, get more subscribers on my YouTube channel where the archives of, of the Midnight Hour show will be hosted. And I really could use uh, more subscribers so that we could try to monetize that channel and also accept Super Chat donations. So please, please, if you have not already, please visit my YouTube channel. Just put my name, Stephen Cambian, that's C-A-M-B-I-A-N, and Stephen with a V, into the YouTube search box, and you will find my channel very easily. Please do subscribe to my channel so that I can bring you the archived episodes, and hopefully we can monetize things a little bit. I've also recently started a Patreon page. Again, just search Patreon for Stephen Cambian, or it's Patreon backslash Stephen Cambian. That's Stephen with a B, and then Cambian, C-A-M-B-I-A-N. Please do consider becoming a patron, because I will be creating some Patreon-exclusive content only for my Patreon patrons going forward. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in tonight, especially those that are longtime listeners. It's been an incredible journey so far, and the journey continues. And I'm so glad to have you here with me on this journey. Please be sure to visit our website where you can check out our previous episodes. All of season one is archived and available on our website. And you can visit us there at themidnighthour.home.blog. And just click on episode season one and you can get, I believe it's 15 episodes from season one are available right there from our website. You can also contact me there, or you can contact me on Twitter, just search for Stephen Cambian, or on Facebook, again, just search for Stephen Cambian. I'd also like to encourage you to please like our Facebook page for the Midnight Hour Show. Just put the Midnight Hour Show in the search box on Facebook, and you'll find us very easily. Please like our page there. Until next time, folks, my name is Stephen Cambian. Reminding you that sometimes the journey really is its own reward. Good night, folks.